0: Welcome into a, another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Uh, Derek, 2020 coming to an end today, a, a year that I know that none of us will will ever forget, and hopefully, Derek, this this will be the worst year of our lives, and I mean that in a good way.
1: Yeah, yeah, good riddance to 2020. It's actually hard to believe, Sean, I was uh, talking to my brother about it last night. He, he went down to Charlotte with me last year, and, of course, we, we rode over to the stadium together last year. It's, for as long as it's felt like this year has been at times, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that it was – I mean, it kind of feels like yesterday, honestly. So yes. our lives uh, have been changed for sure. Everybody's lives have by COVID. And uh, that's why today, just first year doing the podcast, we wanted to do a year interview anyway, and this this will probably – well. I can't rule out next year being somewhat similar because this basketball season is, is for sure. I, I don't see anything really changing with that. It. It's going to be the same deal as what we saw in 2020, small crowds, all the all the measures we're taking now. Don't think that's going to be changed by March by any means. So, but hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can be in, in line for a little bit more normal football season. I still don't know that it's going to be everything that we knew pre-COVID, but – I'm hoping it's going to be a more normal year, but that's what we're going to do today. You know, we're going to have a mailbag tomorrow, hopefully new year's. We'll see how many people are volunteering some questions, but we'll we'll get this year interview going and uh, we'll Well, try to find some of the good things that happened this year.
0: I'll tell you this, this morning it actually hit me just looking at some uh, memories on social media. I was like, wow, we were in a car together a year ago, trying to find a parking spot. That we it was so complicated that it shouldn't have been that complicated. Like I, I and then I, I held off
1: like, uh, sending a mean tweet to the uh, Duke's man, Bowl <laughs> yesterday. I just let that die with the bowl. I'll just hopefully the setup was better for those people going there this year. Well,
0: I I told myself I said maybe we should have been prepared for 2020 to be awful, considering that that day was just horrible. And then I don't even know if you know this or not. So or the people listening, we we drove around the the stadium there in Charlotte for at least it felt like. It should have been, what, 15 minutes, Derek? And it turned into well over an hour.
1: Oh, yeah. Probably, probably not even 15 minutes.
0: The game was at noon. Derek left the hotel before 10, and he walked in 10 minutes before kickoff. That's how long it took Derek to find, to find his parking spot. Everything about that
1: bowl just sucked. I walked around the stadium like twice trying to find out uh, where to go. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was bad. But, you know, I'll say this, too, about traveling. I've, I've traveled a lot just doing this job. And travel at night. So those roads were empty driving back on New Year's Eve last year. Everybody at their parties or whatever. Didn't pass a single cop from Charlotte all the way back to Lexington the whole time last year. So, I made a pretty good time getting back. That's about the only good thing I'll say about that trip was that, uh, well, one, my brother got to go. He had a good time. And uh, two, I mean, Kentucky won that game. So, everybody was happy in,
0: with that. But, I stepped in mud walking in, brand new shoes, and just covered them in mud. So while you were out there trying to park, remember I I got out because I was like, well one of us is going to have to find out how to get in this place yeah. to tell the other. And then I stepped in mud, didn't even realize I was walking in mud either. And like I I took like 20 steps in it, and then I looked down and I'm like, this is awful. Like I'm ready to just go back to the hotel and start all over again. But man, uh, that
1: game was one day away from being the game of the year this year, I would say. It's
0: it just would have happened
1: uh, January 1st instead. Then so
0: what do you want to start on the football side of things then? And just do a year in review with that.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, yeah, I think the way we're gonna do this, let's just do them both at the same time. Let's just say best game, and then let's do football, and we'll start football, and then we'll do basketball as well. All I right, think that'll be the most time efficient because there's some other things too we're gonna talk about on this episode. But just with that being at close of the year, it felt like I mean, this is really the only time I guess to do it to do this episode. Football has to so. be a pretty easy off, game
0: of the year, right?
1: football is going to be easy. Uh Yeah, there's only one option. <laughs> <I think. laughs> sure. But let's just go and kind of start with that then. Game of the year, no question in 2020, the game of the year for the UK Football Program, ended a very, 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 very long losing streak in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sean when they beat the Vols 34 to 7.
0: Yeah, I agree with that one. That was uh that was the game of the year for sure given all the the circumstances and the the streak in Knoxville and everything, Derek, and kind of the year where I don't think anyone really – I don't think I would have ever thought that it would have ended this year. Uh, I know you and I going to that game, we refused to pick Kentucky just because oh, yeah. never picking Kentucky to win in Knoxville. But, no, the way they won that game too in just dominant fashion, all the interceptions and everything, it kind of uh, – that one definitely is the game of the year on the football side. On the On the basketball side, this one's a little different. Derek, there's quite a few to pick from. There's definitely not been any this year.
1: Morehead State.
0: But uh, going back to last year, there's like four or five games that really stand out in my mind. But I'm going to go with a game that both you and I were there covering, and I'm going to say Texas Tech.
1: Yeah, that was a terrible weekend, wasn't it? That's like when uh, Kobe Bryant died the next day, and then, like, coronavirus was firmly on the radar by that point. That was kind of the – Point of no return, I think, for this year after that happened. But that was a very good game, an overtime win for Kentucky. Nick Richards was big in that game. I can remember Nate Sestina hit a pretty big yeah. three in that one, right, late in yeah. that
0: one. Maxie wasn't good. Hagen's uh, had some really, really good defensive plays there. Uh, that that I think that one stands – I could have said Florida, too, just because of the comeback and everything. But just overall, as far as back and forth – we were sitting there that night at that game at Tech, and we were like, "Man, this this is a really good game."
1: Yeah, that was a great that was a great atmosphere too. That was a cool place. I mean, I hadn't been. I'd been to West Virginia for the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. I haven't like I didn't get to go to Kansas a few years back. I wish I could have, but that was I was still in college then. I wasn't really traveling much for work. Um,
0: West Virginia was that, that was a really place cool place. venue. I mean,
1: that was a team that obviously they were coming off a national title appearance. They were an overtime away from. For being the defend the national champs, and uh, even for a program like that, Sean, though you could tell that like, Kentucky coming to town was a really big deal it was. for that school, and uh, that was a great game. I agree with you. Was that or Florida? I mean,
0: best student section I've seen too was at Texas Tech. Like that that thing wrapped all the way around behind the UK bench, yeah. which is which is something you can't do in the SEC. You can't be behind the opponent's bench, so that was uh, that was different, and to see you
1: that. Know, a little bit of controversy. I say controversy. I mean, but that was the day before Khalil Whitney had just kind of abruptly left the team. So I mean, they had that kind of weighing on them, and uh, they still came out. And at that point, uh, I'm having a hard time remembering everything that was happening leading up to that game. Did that game turn their season around? Or I mean, they had they'd already beaten Louisville. I feel like that might have been the turning point they, last year. Once they they beat had. Louisville
0: the week before that they had lost to South Carolina and then they bounced back and beat Arkansas on that Saturday. So they had three straight Saturdays there where they played at Arkansas at Texas tech and then at Auburn, of course, then they lost the one at Auburn. So that was kind of the, the streak that they went on right there. That kind of, that got them going. Uh, I felt like that win was really what propelled them there to have the strong finish that they did, but just, that was a really good game back and forth. Uh, there were multiple times you felt like Texas Tech was going to win, and there were multiple times you felt like Kentucky was going to win. That, that's why it gets the game of the year for me.
1: Yeah, no question about that. Um,
0: what about, Sean, let's go to player
1: of the year, and let's start with football. This is uh, – last year was obvious, Lynn Bowden. In 2019, he would have been the guy. 2018, would have been a little tougher. I mean, you would have been picking between Joshua and Benny. Those were pretty much the only two guys. But 2020 um, – I guess player of the year in football, I'd have to go with, with Chris Rodriguez. That's
0: a good one. That's a, that's a really good one, actually. actually I, I'll go the other side. I'll go Jamin Davis. Yeah, that's
1: I think, the other
0: choice. I think that the, the year that he had, Derek, and kind of the development, which is something this program continues to do, especially on that side of the ball. They continue to develop really good defensive players. Uh, I'll go Jamin.
1: You know, that's a good point, too, you bring up Jamin, because we could bring up Chris Oates, too. Um, Someone who, you know, this year has been hard for a lot of people, but certainly for Chris. He's had a a life-changing year, um, confined to a wheelchair now because of an undisclosed medical condition. Um, Our thoughts have still been with Chris. I know it has been, for sure, for the Kentucky football program. But, you know, Jamin was a guy that, more or less, I mean, this is a guy who is going to be deciding if he wants to go to the NFL or not. And he just came into this season more or less, the narrative with him was, you know, how he wasn't supposed to be a starter. He was supposed to be a depth piece for the team, still a very good depth piece, but not a projected starter. And he fills in for Chris and does a great job, leads the team in tackles, I believe. And he's um, in a spot now where, you know, he'll have a choice to make. He should hear about it from NFL probably next week, is what I've heard as well. It's not any kind of breaking news or anything, I don't think. But it sounds like the NFL feedback will come, will start trickling back in next week so for some of those guys like davis and Kennard you might hear something then but uh that's a good choice is there anyone else maybe who should have been up for consideration maybe really any of those offensive linemen man probably darian canard i mean he all on the all ap all american teams all sec teams he's he's been a great player for kentucky and then of course just with like drake and all those seniors i mean collectively as a group you could probably name the offensive line
0: yeah i would i would throw josh Pascal in there. I feel like Pascal at times. I thought he, you know, he set the tone, had a good year and stuff. I know he had some injuries there, some some minor injuries that he battled through. Uh, yeah,
1: he was playing great ball until he hurt his knee against Mississippi State. He, he was. was their best player on defense up until that point.
0: He was. Uh, they all, I, I thought that that side of the ball had quite a few guys that really take a step forward and stuff. But uh I'm trying to think of just going off of what they had done in years past, I mean, Josh Ali didn't, like, set the world on fire, but in an in an offense where they didn't really throw the ball at times, I thought he did some good things. I think you could give Keaton Upshaw a mention there too because I feel like that, honestly, Derek, out of all the guys on the offensive side, Upshaw's a name that you kind of – he actually can take something away from this season where they really didn't have a ton of success on offense.
1: I agree with that. And just kind of going through these things makes you kind of realize just – even though they still went four and six, man, that was a pretty tough year, I think, for the football program. Um, just based on the expectations going in, it just didn't quite pan out. But again, it wasn't a disaster type season, though. I mean, four and four and six is not what either of us would have predicted, but at the same time, it's not. I mean, they're still playing in the Texas Slayer Bowl. You know, they're they're a mid tier type team this year, maybe a little lower, not not quite. They weren't cellar dwellers by any means, but. Um, just kind of middle of the pack SEC team this year. But what what was the other category we were gonna?
0: Uh, go we we'll still still got to do the men's.
1: Oh, player. we just have to do basketball.
0: Yeah, on the basketball. Got to be side. quickly,
1: right? Quickly, or Richards. I would get. Uh, there's a case for both.
0: There is a case for both, and I I'm going to go quickly, just uh just because, I mean, at one point Derek, it looked like he, I tweeted that I thought he would be a sneaky pick for SEC player of the year. I think I tweeted it in maybe mid-January uh, when he first started having some game. I think it was South Carolina oh. what it really stood out to me that he was playing well. And then he followed it uh, with some really strong play there late in the season, just the year that he had. And then, you know, where he got drafted at and stuff a few months ago. And now the success that he's having are already in New York, I know he's been injured for the last week, but New York fans have already fallen in love with that guy and just everything just think about think about january to january for emmanuel quickly and how much his life has changed because i don't think we really thought last january that he was a guy that was going to leave kentucky i don't think we really thought that until february
1: yeah Yeah, i agree i mean he he kind of tore it up that game at texas a&m where he just really carried them um Kind of the crazy thing, too, man, about that Florida game is, is that obviously Hagen's didn't play and then Quickly probably had his worst game of like maybe the whole SEC slate where he thought out. When I mean, Cal was saying afterwards, like, if you don't want to play, just, like, let me know. <laughs> he was playing so poorly <laughs> that kind of the uh, – you know, Cal was implying that he just didn't want to be out there with some of the fouls he was committing. But Kentucky managed to come back and win that game. But, no, quickly was a great story. I, I just really – I thought Nick Richards was uh, – just from covering him. And, I mean, with basketball, it's very – I've always felt like, the, since I've been covering it under John Calipari, it's like a very impersonal type program. Like, football, when you interview these guys for four to five years, I'm still not going to act like you play them, but you know them all that well because I, I don't know any of those players that well. You just cover them. But when you're around someone like – you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's more comfort level with, with some of those football guys who have been around four or five years. But, like, Nick was one of the few guys of the Cal area who had been around for a little while. So he had all those NCAA tournaments. Well, the first two, I guess, since he didn't have to have it last year. But – I had I, I planned to do a pretty big story on them, how they'd gone to the Final Four after the playing Auburn, just on Cal saying that Nick was one of his favorite players he ever coached. And uh, when I mentioned that to Nick in, in the locker room before, I think it was before the Wofford game, actually, he was just genuinely surprised that Cal had said that. I don't know if he hadn't caught Cal's comments on that or what. But I was really happy for him. Just the uh, a kid who certainly looked nowhere near his, his talent ranking when he came in, but he stayed the – kind of stayed the course, continued to develop. And last year, I really paid off for him. He was huge. Yeah, He was huge for that team. I mean, he. there were times, Sean, where it was, like, stunning to me to say that, like, man, this team is, like, is in trouble if Nick Richards is not out there. Because for his first two years, it might have been the opposite way, where if he was out there, he might have been thinking, man, something bad's happened that he has to be out there getting these minutes. So, a great transformation for both Nick and Emmanuel last year.
0: Yeah, that's – both those guys were – honestly, Derek, they were both deserving for – sec player of the year but only one of them could get it um what else are we going to go do you want to do best moment because yeah. best moment best moment can be different than best game i think best moment
1: in football was was when the offensive line put four out there
0: yeah that's what i was going to say
1: Vanderbilt. and uh that had been a hard week for for the team obviously and um That was props to Vanderbilt as well. Derek Mason and them for obviously they were clued in on it, uh, declined the penalty, but I thought that was just such a great way for his unit and for the whole Kentucky football team really to honor John Schlarman a few days after he had passed away.
0: Yeah, I I would say that moment. And then to a moment that didn't happen on the field as well, but it happened in the locker room at Knoxville when they won and, and Schlarman got another game ball. That was kind of the, uh, I think we kind of knew then, Derek, that I mean, I mentioned it to you in the press box that day, actually, that that John was look, that John wasn't, didn't look good, you know, that John, that you could tell that the cancer and everything, the disease was just taking a toll on him, uh, and it was to that point, and I, I just, I think I knew it was special that day, but I don't think I knew it was as special as it was going to be because everything just kind of uh, that next week, he didn't make the trip to Missouri, and then it just quickly started turning in the other direction. So I'm going to say that moment in that locker room for that program and, and him and his family and everybody getting that game ball, I'm going to throw that one in there too.
1: Yep, that's that's a good pick for sure. Um, with basketball, you got one that comes to mind right away?
0: I mean, the Florida comeback has to be in there just because they they had so many guys that had they, they finally came together that day. Uh, Ashton mm-hmm. Higgins was out. Tyrese uh, Manuel quickly fouled out with more than eight minutes to play in the game. It looked helpless, but it relied on Nick Richards. Uh, That was kind of the moment of Nick Richards' career there, Derek. He didn't get get the postseason run that the other guys got, and he got to, you know, they played through him. Keon Brooks hit big shots. Johnny Juzang hit big shots. I think just collectively that would have to be the collective moment. Other than that, I'm trying to think of another – of another moment there down the stretch that really stands out to me. I mean, you could, Nate Sestina coming up big at LSU where he'd been struggling. I think that one's got to be in there. Uh, anything mm-hmm. from your end that you can think of?
1: It'd probably be Florida, just the tip in there from Montgomery. that was kind of the lasting,
0: Holy like you were saying, with I with, just forgot what, that he tipped that in to win. Like I've completely forgot yeah. about
1: it. He had the final bucket. Um, uh, you know, because like what you said, that was their send off. I mean, they didn't. I'm not gonna say it's better than. I mean, they, of course, those guys would have all loved to play in the tournament and had a chance to win the title. But you know, most years you don't get to go out as a winner, and I'm sure none of those guys would have chosen it that way. But that was kind of the the lasting memory of those guys because they got to tip that in. I'm like, man, once you had added it, like the two halves of basketball. So the second half against Tennessee, the game before that, where they blew a pretty big lead and lost and then a the first half where they looked terrible uh, against Florida to kind of resurrect it the way they did in the second half and to come back. I do think that's probably the best moment of the of the calendar year for, for that team.
0: Yeah, it, it is. I, I was trying to think if there was another moment that stands out to me. and I, I, I mean, Emmanuel Quickley's individual effort against uh, Florida where he hit all those threes there to start the second half, and that was kind of a single – a single moment there for him. I thought that was one of the coolest moments of the season, seeing him in a zone. Texas A&M, he was in a zone. But as far as team moment, it had, had to be Florida. I agree with I agree with that. That was uh, I was there for that one. That was that was definitely wild. Never, never would I've thought that Kentucky would only have one basketball win since then, though.
1: That's what I'll say. Morehead State needs to be in consideration for game of the year. For uh... no, but like. I think that's probably the last thing we'll talk about in terms of year and review, but, like, I just want to give a shout out. A lot of people had to work together to make the 2020 this fall season and and basketball as well, starting up for the winter sport. I mean, talking about volleyball, I know there are other sports at Kentucky that have had good moments that maybe we didn't talk about, but a lot of people had to buy in. Um, It was obviously a very, very difficult thing to get this season off the ground. The football year is going to conclude. On Saturday after the uh, Tax Slayer Bowl, but um, what we'll spend some time we'll spend some time doing some preview stuff. I've already got a couple of ideas for not only Catsballs.com but also for this show that we can do some preview stuff with football because at a certain point, well, actually I'll take that back, Sean, because the basketball team's struggling so bad. At a certain point, you would expect in a normal year you would do your kind of close you'd wrap up the football season and you probably wouldn't touch it much through February until uh, March happened. But this year, maybe not. <laughs> we'll yeah. see how the basketball team does before just shelving the football team for a, for a whole month. But I just wanted to say, um, you know, honestly, just congratulations, I guess, to, to all the people who made this happen this year because it was not easy. Every team had, had struggles with COVID, but Kentucky certainly had other things as well off the field, off and on the field with, with personnel that – uh between Schlarman and Oates. I mean, it was a tougher year, I think, for Kentucky than most teams. And they still found a way to get through a season. And even if the win-loss record wasn't as good and the product maybe wasn't as good as everybody wanted it to be, still a lot of kudos to those guys. And I think history will remember this group pretty fondly because of that.
0: Absolutely. And on the women's basketball side, it's pretty easy too, Derek. I know players of the year would have to go Ron Howard, uh, given what she's done. Uh, And then moment of the year for that program, I think, would be the wins versus Tennessee that they – absolutely destroyed Tennessee, if I remember, in the SEC tournament. Uh, I, think that, I think that was a blowout win, right? Was it that game or was it the regular season game where they blew Tennessee out? I do feel like I can vaguely
1: remember them having a pretty big win over Tennessee. Did, the, they make, did they make the SEC championship game or did they make
0: the semis they, again? They made the Definitely. championship game and lost to Mississippi State. No, they made the semis and lost to Mississippi State. That's right. I think it was Mississippi State. I thought they
1: played South Carolina.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was South Carolina.
1: Powerhouse down there?
0: Yep. That's right. I'm trying to look and see if I can find that result. Uh, that They got a big game tonight, by the way. Uh, they play they Arkansas, do? and then I'm actually going to be there. So it kind of worked out. It was kind of weird, Derek. Uh, when I got the email yesterday that they're moving the women's game versus Tennessee due to COVID-19, they're now going to Mississippi State. So since I'm already going to be in Starkville, I might as well just – wake up the next morning and just walk. It's only like half a mile to the arena. So I might as well just go over and cover that one. But looking at the women's schedule right now, their next four games, they play number 10 Arkansas, number 12 Mississippi State, number nine A&M, and number five South Carolina.
1: Kyra Elsie's got her work cut out. But they did have – has has Jasmine Massengill played yet? I don't know if she got cleared. I just – I'm not, I know they had some games canceled. I haven't kept up with them quite as much. I try to watch them as much as possible because it's a very good program. And
0: Some years, I mean, if they're hosting
1: a tournament, then I would cover it. But.
0: I don't think that they've played her yet because their last game was Wofford on the 19th of December, and I think it was after that, wasn't it? Yeah. Seems uh, like she got eligible somewhere in that week. Uh, no, it's, it's a good program, though. It's a good team. I'm going to watch that game tonight and see uh, – Interesting Now to do. One, one more thing, too, before we move on, Derek. I think that, you know, 2020 has been bad. It's been every single one of us has had something. Uh, we struggled with something this year. Uh, hopefully, we all could find at least one thing, though, that we're grateful for that we got out of this year. And I think that ours would clearly, I mean, this this show is a big thing for us now that we kind of navigated during a pandemic, Derek. We didn't know. We were like, how in the world are we going to start a daily podcast? And we recorded our episode to discuss the football schedule, and the very next morning, it looked like football season wasn't going to happen. And we're sitting there going, "Oh no, we've done this logo, we've started this podcast, and now we might not even have football." We didn't know about basketball, but all in all, uh, we 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 say thank you all the time to our listeners. But no, th- this this is a podcast that continues growing. I, I hear from people weekly, Derek, that. I had never heard from before saying that they enjoy the show and that they've been listening since day one. They just hadn't reached out to the mailbag or anything. So thank you to all of you who listen to Kentucky daily. We're, we, we do our best to bring it daily to you. Sometimes like right now content with them, with basketball going Saturday to Saturday, no football. It gets kind of hard to kind of create content, but majority of the time, 98, 99% of the time, we're getting you five episodes a week, sometimes more. And it's because, uh, you all showing us numbers and showing us that you listen and reaching out and sending in questions and the engagement. We're grateful for that.
1: Yeah, that's well said. Um, You know, in the name Kentucky Daily, it's also – I feel like you got to try to have a feel, too, for – truthfully, I just don't know if people want to listen to us talk about the basketball team right now five straight days (laughs) or football when they were struggling. I mean, I I have pretty high hopes for this podcast whenever – we get back to a more normal type world, and it might not even be, you know, next fall. I hope it is. I, I feel like next fall they're going to play a full schedule for sure. I mean, I do too. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. Knowing well know then, and just how far advancements would have come. Hopefully by next August. Um, so that that might be a little bit more normal thing, and I hope for basketball's the same way. I mean, basketball would have been a deal where we would have been starting to turn right into it, like really heavy into it in a normal year, and um. The NCAA tournament would have been a great time, I think, for this podcast and for the listeners, because we could have been coming several times. I mean, a week There we probably would have had more than seven episodes a week in a normal NCAA tournament year, if the team was good enough to make the NCAA tournament, which well,
0: I guess it wasn't this year. And in in a normal year too, with the SEC tournament and all of us there, Derek, we would we would probably find a way to record something on site there for fans when we're finished with all of our writing right. and everything, and that. That's the thing. This show has been – it's been really fun. The first 113 – I think we're on episode 113 now. Uh, however many episodes that we've done, its it's been a blast. But it's just getting started. I think that's the thing that we both keep – I think that's the thing we both keep thinking about is just a normal year. What does this show look like and and everything? And, I, I mean, I can't wait to see see what it's like and, you know, when UK – is having some success. The, this show is even better when they're doing. That, that week of the Tennessee game was a blast and stuff on the show. Uh, but we yeah. appreciate everyone that listens to this on a daily basis. We appreciate it if there's an, if there's an episode missing or something happens like the other day when we had an issue with the with the episode after Louisville. Someone was like, "Hey, I." I listened to half of it and then something happened and I had to go back in and check it and upload it again where we had an issue there. So just thank you all for the support and we can't wait to see what 2021 has in store.
1: Certainly. Sean, let's talk a little bit here before we wrap up. Um, There was a secret scrimmage that took place with Kentucky and Transylvania. So do you have the full details as to, first of all, I'll try to fill in where I can. I don't think I understand it completely. Basically, why did Kentucky not play a real game this week?
0: It's very, very confusing because you know I I told you uh, Saturday that Hartford was going to be the team that was coming to town, Derek, and I've uh, everything that I've been able to gather that was the plan. You know, I showed you I sent you something yesterday that it was pretty much yeah. if you if that hadn't have been on there. That's only on there if that game was pretty much confirmed. And it was there. It was ready to go. I don't know if – I think Hartford's schedule – I Cal had two teams in mind, Derek. It was either play Brad in Detroit or play Hartford. Uh, I don't think Detroit, with their COVID protocol and everything, I don't think they were able to get it worked out. And it seems like Hartford's side was more of logistics with traveling – with playing a conference game on Sunday, a conference game on Monday, then traveling all the way to Kentucky in the middle of a pandemic on Wednesday, and then back to Binghamton for two games this this weekend. That was going to be five games in about six to seven days, and I think that's what shot that one in the foot. But then you had, uh, you had reports, I think Matt Jones reported that, you know, Balraman and stuff was there as a possibility, which would have made sense to me. I, I think it should have been an in-state team just to get a game, but it ended up being Transy. Honestly, Derek, it was a game that it, it might have worked out for them on the floor. They might have been able to get some things figured out with their execution. But honestly, it created more of a stir than it did anything else because then the, the reports that was coming out of that close scrimmage.
1: Yeah, and kind of, the, kind of the gist I got from reading what other people were saying part of the group text I'm in is more or less one of the reasons Kentucky didn't play this week is because they still want to play Detroit. That's correct, right?
0: And they would have had to have counted so as a game.
1: Yeah.
0: What, what do you make of that? Well, I was told that I was told that this counted as a game. Transy. Yeah, but it just doesn't go towards their record. Did you hear the same thing about that? Because that's what's confused me this week. Isn't I hadn't that?
1: heard
0: that. I was told, and I might need to clear that up. But somebody told me that this counted as one of their games but it just doesn't count towards their win-loss record, which tell me how that makes any sense at all. Why would you take – Is that?
1: the cap this year still – is there like a certain amount of games maximum? Is it different this year? I think – not, not, they're not going to be anywhere near that. Like if it's 31 like a normal year, they won't be anywhere near that even with the schedule left, right?
0: I think it was 27. They had 18 conference games, and if I'm not mistaken, nine non-conference games. So they didn't get to play uh, Detroit, and then weren't they supposed to play – was it Hartford? Somebody else was supposed to be a part of it. I think they had room to schedule 26 to 27.
1: I thought they replaced somebody with Moorhead.
0: They did. They replaced Hartford with Moorhead because yeah. Hartford was supposed to be a part of that MTE. Uh, so maybe 26, I think, was the was the cap. But right now they've played seven, and they'll play 18 league games. So that gets them to 25. So, yeah, you're right. The uh, Detroit game would be the be the max capacity. Yeah. I get it. I get holding out wanting to play Brad and bring him home and stuff. But right now, I mean, honestly, Derek, I kind of think that it'd been more important for this team to get someone to come to Rupp Arena a couple of days ago and kind of just beat up on them.
1: It certainly feels like uh, Cal putting his best interests ahead of um, maybe the teams. And I looked up Brad's stats this year. He's not really much – I mean, he's playing way more last year for Detroit. I don't know if Detroit's got better players now or what, but uh, he's more or less not even playing for this Detroit team. But I I thought if that was – if the opportunity was there to play another team to help this team out, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe Cal felt like they could just go down the road, play Trans, and they could get out of that, get something maybe more out of that is what I'm trying to say versus playing a game. I don't know. I mean, that would kind of go against what Cal said publicly in terms of just how hard the schedule's been and just needing to get wins because I think he could have added a team that he could certainly get a win against this week. But he chose not to, so that is what it is. But a lot of reports from that scrimmage against uh, Transy, some conflicting reports. And that kind of leads us to the big talking point we're going to have here again. And uh, it was Dante Allen again, (laughs) Sean, Like. The most discussed about bench player, I think, uh, since who? Josh Carrier, maybe?
0: Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, absolutely. And Josh Carrier, those days were definitely interesting. No, Derek, I, I texted you. So they scrimmaged Wednesday, correct? Yes. Tuesday? Yeah, we, Wednesday. Tuesday. No, it was Tuesday. It's Thursday, Yes, right? yes. okay. Yeah. I've been thinking today's Friday. My, my bad. Uh, okay. So Tuesday night they scrimmaged, which was in the same date that they were supposed to host South Carolina. I texted you and told you that I was told that, and here's exactly what I was told from a reliable source, that honestly someone that I'm going to say I should trust, given that they they know Dante. So I was told, and it kind of fits some things that we've heard, that Dante missed some shots in the first half, struggled a little bit, but then had a really good second half and hit seven of 11 threes. Is what I was told, and I texted you that. But I also, at the same time, even though I was told that, I didn't feel comfortable putting it out there because, once again, even if he did hit seven of eleven or seven of eight, I feel like it's putting—I felt like it was putting him in an unfair situation with expectations going into Saturday. That if you put that out there, every single Kentucky fan is going to instantly think that Dante Allen's the savior and is going to come in and be Steph Curry. And that's why I didn't want to put anything out there, but then it started getting out there yesterday. And honestly, Derek, it's kind of created an unfortunate situation for him. In my opinion.
1: It has. I mean, it really has. He's, he's in a spot now. I mean, I don't know. There's, there are two lines like where I fall, like one, I'm not, not even enough to think, and nobody should feel this way. Honestly, like, John Calipari wants to win games. I know we can talk about his motivations, and I think there are some legitimate things in terms of how he felt at this stage of his career in terms of advancing players to the next level. Um, but I still think he wants to win, and I think it's kind of kind of asinine to assume otherwise. So because of that, I don't think he's not playing Dante Allen just because he's trying to send a message to to anybody really. Like I, on the other hand, though. Where I think there's also a fair line of thinking is this team is just bad. They're one and six. They shoot the ball downright bad. I mean, downright awful shooting the ball from the outside. Are you telling me this kid is so bad he can't get on the floor on a one and six team just for a few minutes? We're not talking about him coming in, starting, playing thirty minutes a game. Just a little bit, just to try to hit a couple shots, try to provide a spark whenever it's so difficult otherwise for your offense to score. And I think both those thoughts can be true,
0: honestly. And, and and that's the other side of this, too, is that we obviously know – we know one thing. We know that he hit some shots. You know, I was told seven. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to – I have to kind of trust the person that told me that. I mean, I wasn't there to see it, but I guess I can take his word for that he hit seven. Um, we'll, I think I saw that
1: number some other places, too.
0: Yeah, that but how many did he shoot, you know? Like, was it eight? Was it 11? I was told 11, but – the one thing that we can say is we do know that Dante played and we'd know that he made some shots because even Transy's coach confirmed that, that Dante made a few yeah. shots and stuff, but we don't know exactly how it played out. Uh, there were some other things that come out of that, that, that Derek, that, you know, BJ Boston, supposedly, I think he found some stuff too in that scrimmage, some things that I've heard that he had some success there. Uh, Jacob Toppin was another one that was mentioned that played very well, which, kind of be on par with the, what we've seen from him for the last week or two. So I guess we'll just have to see exactly what Saturday holds. If Dante Allen went out there and hit seven threes, even if it was just over the course of two hours, you kind of think that Cal will give him a shot Saturday. I, th- I think he's getting a chance Saturday. I don't know how long that chance will be. But after Cal's comments on the, the radio show Monday night, I mean, it kind of seems like that Dante Allen's going to at least get a look at some point in that first half, unless something crazy just dictates the way the game being played and it changes. Because that, that I, I do want to say that that does happen to coaches in situations. Things happen. You go far off the script. But I'd be pretty surprised if Dante doesn't at least get a stretch, maybe, maybe a media timeout, four minutes worth of action that first half, just to see what happens. And hopefully if he does, Derek, hopefully he finds some confidence to – you know, carried over. I don't think that anyone should expect Dante Allen to come in and drop 30 points or 40, like you did in high school. But if he comes in and spaces the floor, knocks down one shot in that four minute stretch, then he helped the team.
1: Yeah. I think some of it's going to come down to Terrence Clark. I, I'm just looking at that game against Louisville, he just, I, I really think he's hurt. I mean, I know he's trying to play through an ankle injury, but he was, he'd basically turned into a jump shooter. Um, he was hobbling really bad at one point. If, I mean, I would be the, unless he's just healed up miraculously in a week, like I, I don't think it'd be a bad idea to just let him rest a little bit. And I'm sure if he wants to play, they'll, they'll try to let him go. But if Clark's in a spot though, where there's not as long of a leash with him or it just doesn't play at all because of that injury, then it's certainly more feasible. I think that Dante, like at that point, I don't really know what would keep him off the floor, at least for a little bit and you in know, the first half, just
0: because he would need somebody. And, you know, looking at this team, I, I don't know if I've said this before or not. I don't know if I've said it on podcast. I know I've told some people this, but they're one and six. The Richmond game got away from them late in the second half and the final ten minutes there. But take out Georgia Tech. Now Notre Dame was ugly the first half, but clearly they showed in the second half that that game shouldn't have even got to that point. Derek, they've they've been bad, one and six. But it's not like that they've not had chances to win these games playing as poorly as they have. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm coming from. That They're 1-6, but I don't think they're a 1-6 basketball team. I think they're more, honestly, I would put it like 4-3 and three is what I think they should be right now because I feel like that they should have won uh, some of these games that they've let slip away. I mean, they had leads in the second half against Kansas, North Carolina, Louisville, and then had a shot to win it against Notre Dame. Uh, Georgia Tech, I just throw out entirely just because they played poorly. That one, you can't even say that they deserve to win that one. But other games, I felt like they were in positions to win, but they just haven't, which makes me – I guess in a sense it kind of gives me some hope that they can get some things turned around and start winning some games. But it all falls back on execution, and that's the word that we keep hearing every single time that Cal speaks, Joel Justice speaks. Joel Justice was pretty much John Calipari – in a chair today. Like that was everything that was coming out of Joel's mouth was pretty much Cal, uh, that execution, and everything is what they focused on this week. And this is, this does feel like a Kentucky basketball team that has to execute better than others have in the past, because there's not a much, there's not much room for error with them, Derek.
1: There's not. I know you're right. I mean, it was very much uh, Joel Justice, uh, a friend of the podcast. He came on back when times were happier in the preseason <laughs> and uh, he was sticking to the script today and uh, talking about execution and, and taking it day by day, everything you would expect a coach to say, but no, you're right. I mean, I, I look at this and Mississippi state, I don't know a ton about, I know they beat Georgia, right? Last night. So yeah. Um, Fern's trying to join the podcast here. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I'm ready either way, Sean, for this talking point. And it's like you said, it's not fair for Dante. I mean, I'm ready for this talking point to, uh, let him play a little bit, but if he plays well enough, he'll stay in the rotation. If he doesn't, then maybe it'll still be answered a little bit more, but um, I don't know. Anything else you want to hit on the day before?
0: Isaiah before Jackson, move on? Isaiah Jackson coming out today saying that, you know, he's deleted social media and everything, which I don't think is a bad thing, Derek. I think that might be the best thing for a lot of these guys on the team, but did you notice too, that he said he read an article? I did.
1: Yeah, uh, usually don't hear guys admit that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and he, he kind of took it as an evaluation of his play, didn't he? And of his performance.
1: It like, I don't know where he found that article, but it kind of like he like something clicked for him from reading. It. He's like, man, that guy, whoever this woman, maybe whoever wrote this, I need to, that, that, need to take their advice.
0: <laughs> that stood out to me, like he, <laughs> like that. I thought that was funny that he said that, but then he said he deleted social media, you know, not long after. So here's the thing, Derek, we. These these guys read every single thing. Uh, I'm still convinced that the coaching staff reads every single thing that we write when it comes to criticism or it comes to praise. I mean, they're human. They want to know what's being said. Uh, I mean, we know that Cal has guys that tell him every little thing. He knows every single thing that happens in the media, around involving this program. Right now, I'm of the belief that they just need to get a win. See what happens with a win because the mind is a powerful thing. And I feel like if you can change the mind, you can change some other things as well. I'm not saying that they're going to change their three point percentage or get to a final four and win a national championship. But I just feel like if you can get some positive thoughts flowing, you can build on some positive thoughts. And I think that that's what this team needs most right now, Derek, is just to go get a win Saturday. Uh, You see what Tennessee did to Missouri last night. I mean, you kind of, you'd be crazy to think that Tennessee is not going to win the league given that their start and how they're performing right now. But if you're Kentucky, you're just trying to make this a thing where you're just trying to put on a – just get one. You have to get one before you can get two, and that's the biggest thing right now. Just go get a win at Mississippi State and then see if you can follow that with a win versus Vandy. Then maybe, just maybe you're getting something going then.
1: No question. Um, I mean, there are going to be some tough games. That's for sure, that this team has to play, but you would think these next two games are, I'd say, more than winnable. Like, they need to win. They should—they still have far more talent than, than either of these two teams are about to play in Mississippi State and Vandy. So, need to take advantage of those games. Whatever happens, Sean, I know we'll be here to cover it. Of course, you'll be down in Starkville on Saturday. I will be chilling on my couch for both games. One at noon, of course, the football team plays. And then on Saturday uh, at 6 o'clock, it'll be Kentucky and. Mississippi State and Starkville. What channel is that on? ESPN?
0: Or SEC or Network. SCC? SEC Network. Football
1: game will be on ESPN, and then i have to flip over to, for the SEC Network for the basketball game. Sean, we going to do a mailbag tomorrow? Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know what your plans are for you. This is just – we're going to talk through it right here on the air. You,
0: what yeah, are you doing we're, for
1: – we're going to do it? Okay.
0: Going to do mailbag tomorrow. Um, I'm not leaving, Derek, until noon Eastern time, so we should be able to do the mailbag tomorrow if uh, hopefully in tomorrow morning, if you have some time.
1: Yes, should, should, should be able to do that tomorrow morning. So,
0: so if you're that means before
1: you guys start your plans tonight or early tomorrow, send us your questions. Maybe you already have some, I don't have any yet. I don't think I got
0: uh, one uh, that we for, I forgot to talk about it last week actually. So we've got one that we got to talk about uh, that I'll get to tomorrow. I missed it. I typically, if it's, if it's in the, my DMS on Twitter, I don't open them until, the morning of that way. I don't miss them because then it just shows up as a notification, but I did miss one and I apologize for that. So we'll get to that. Uh, Derek, if I'm going to tweet out that we're doing mailbag, but if you missed the tweet or you missed Derek tweeting something and you're listening to this episode, feel free to send it in before I'm going to say before 10 AM tomorrow morning would be the deadline somewhere through there. I'll
1: probably still be asleep by then. So yeah, you guys will be good up until 10 AM. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to wish everybody a happy New Year. We like Sean said earlier, we thank you for listening. Uh, we'll do the mailbag Friday. We'll also there'll be a lot of football on tomorrow. So I don't I don't know how many SEC games are gonna be I mean we have the playoffs tomorrow, Sean. You got Clemson and Clemson and Ohio State tomorrow night, but you got Alabama and uh, Notre Dame playing I think at four thirty. So a lot of football tomorrow. I don't even know how many SEC teams are gonna be left to even discuss Trump. It might just be the Kentucky game we're picking. So it might be might be a few other ball games. After after the first, I'm not it, really sure. But. It's
0: crazy to think that there wasn't that huge layoff for teams like Alabama. I mean, Kentucky's had a long. Well, I was
1: thinking about Florida last night. Like, Florida just seemed like they just played, the, and yeah, you're right. I mean Alabama's playing tomorrow, so their their break was wasn't as like 13 days, is that what it was? So, I mean, Here's Florida's is even shorter than that.
0: I don't think anything makes me happier than Dan Mullen on a three-game losing streak to end this season, though. <laughs> If it can I tell you my hot take, uh, can I just give it to you and
1: everyone? Please, please at do. Sooner, Sooners national champs next year. I'll, I'm starting to get on the bandwagon. Uh, Spencer Rattler could be a, which I think the kid is a total punk. If anybody ever watched the QB one show that had Nick Scialzo on it, I mean Rattler came off as a mega punk. And I know he's a kid in high school, so I mean we all knew people like that. I guess no, we didn't all know the number one quarterback in the country. I'll say that, but. uh I just kind of feel like next year, maybe we can use this on a, on a on a show in the future, but I just kind of feel like some of these top teams, man, and I know teams recruit so well that they just replace guys. There's always going to be emerging stars coming, but like Lawrence is going to be gone next year. Mac Jones is probably going to be gone. Like All those Alabama studs are going to be gone, and I know they recruit great players. They'll have more. I just kind of feel like next year might be a year, though, for someone not named Alabama or Clemson to – to be able to get in there. Well, Oklahoma is yeah. always good. I mean, the Big 12, you've got to be basically Texas, and
0: you'll be in the playoff. Florida, so, as Florida's looks, a team that's going to have some question marks, aren't they?
1: Well, so, I mean, and I'm not going to judge. You know, those kids that got to play last night hadn't gotten a ton of reps. So they should be better. Uh, the, the, the talent that played last night should be a little bit better with another spring and summer. But, yeah, like, I'm just kind of looking at the East and thinking Georgia should probably steamroll everybody, honestly, next year because Florida's doesn't have a lot of questions. Kentucky's got a lot of questions on offense. The defense could be good, but the offense, until we really see how Cohen does, and you got to replace a lot of linemen, you got to replace a quarterback. I mean, that's that's a lot to kind of – what I'm saying is, in terms of a preseason ranking, like, that's a lot to take into account before yeah. say anything. I mean, maybe Tennessee next year, as much of a joke as they've been, like, they at least have a lot of guys coming back, it seems like, and some skilled guys. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of murky. I mean, maybe Missouri's one of the better teams next year. I just don't think it's going to be a great year. Uh, in the SEC, East by any means, but no, I know you know I'm supposed to pick Big 12 teams, but I can kind of see Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, they're good. They and they they starting to get a defense now that they can play. That's been their problem for a lot of that's, years. Is they just not the stop anybody. Yep,
0: yeah, that's the difference. And you know, Lincoln Riley is going to run a fun style of play. Um, I mean, definitely a fun program, fun team. I I could see it. Uh, but 2020 hasn't been good, Derek. Uh, We're all looking forward to 2021. I know the Butcher's Pub is looking forward to 2021 as well, but they're going to send 2020 out the right way. They're having a a big celebration, a big party tonight. Uh, It says tonight's the night. Come celebrate the ending of 2020 and good music and good company. We'll make it the best thing to come out of this year. So get out to those locations, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, one in Pineville, Kentucky, or you can visit thebutcher'spub.com. And I also recommend following both of those Facebook pages as well to keep up with everything they're doing at the Butcher's Pub. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran.